And we're back for another episode of the Honestly Helen podcast. Thank you for joining and let's get right into it. Okay, so Dr. Kimio, wait, am I saying your name right? Yes, thank you. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Just so <laughs> I just, um, but Dr. Kimia, welcome back to the Honestly Home Podcast season four. Hey, I've been keeping up with you to see what you're doing. And I'm like, look at you, with your bad self. So thank oh. you for being back. In my eyes, such an esteemed, beautiful black woman, oh. mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so I oh. wanted to show up. And then just to have you reach back out to me really was like, damn, Helen, okay, we did good because you're yes. good impression. You're honestly, Helen, you're amazing. Well, you're amazing. So I'm going to give you your flowers too. Like I, I'm fangirling y'all. I don't know if y'all can tell. And I like burn, you know, those dry flowers. So you hang them upside down from the walls and they're beautiful when they're dry flowers. Yes. That. They are. My, my, uh, my mom used to do that. So I know a little bit. Yeah, that's an example of challenging the tradition of what people think that we have to look like and what we have to be to be awesome. So that's just one reminder that we always have to have as Black women. The flowers that I always tell people, if you give me flowers, just know they're going to go dry Mm -hmm. and they're going to be more beautiful for me because I ain't going to put no water, no flowers. That ain't what I want. And people say, well, I want you to put water in the flowers, then keep the flowers for yourself. They're yours then. Period. That part. Listen, (laughs) I literally just learned so much. I never would have thought of it that way. But exactly. Now, before I gush too much, Dr. Kimia, for the folks that either forgot or don't know, can you give them a backstory? What are you all about? Who is Dr. Kimia? Well, I'm Dr. (laughs) Kimia Nuru Dennis. I am a community advocate, sociologist and criminologist, educator, researcher, and I was a full-time professor in North Carolina, and now I live in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, and I specialize in Black mental health, Black physical health, disability services, Black LGBTQIA services, and changing school curriculum, changing school materials, changing libraries, and looking at socio-political and socioeconomic issues without waiting for police slash politicians slash government permission for any of this stuff. And when I say Black people, I'm talking about African slash Black people. That's locally, nationally, and globally. So I'm Pan-African. And I also specialize in artistic knowledge, Afro art, um, old school hip hop, goat rock him, 21 MCs. So you'll oftentimes see me wearing some rock him, 21 MCs, you know, seven MCs, you put them in a line, seven more, then they can rhyme, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I use a lot of old school lyrics for my work and uh, old school songs just in general, and also visual arts. So I have a brain condition. So I also have taught neuroscience students. Mm. So I help black people with brain conditions and epilepsy to 
look at artistic expressions of the brain. So I also do Africans with epilepsy presentations, part of Pan-African organizations locally, nationally, and globally. So that's part of the work that I do is teaching our people how to challenge falsehoods taught for five centuries and put in schools and put in medical and health organizations and facilities and to instead learn the origins of African knowledges, Asian knowledges, indigenous, aboriginal, native knowledges. And that's the true notion of empowerment beyond telling people vote or die. I told you not to let me talk so much, so that's I know, I know. all I said the rest of the time. To the point of what I was saying earlier, like you were just a wealth of knowledge with so many different perspectives and so many different ways of looking at things that the listeners, I believe, need to hear more Dr. Kimias. They need to hear different perspectives and be challenged. And not all of us get to be challenged. You know, not all of us are in a position where we can talk to somebody that looks like us, that can relate to us and challenge us in a healthy way. So I'm gonna let you talk. I told you I'm gonna get better at stepping in, but that was beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> to dive right on in it though, to dive right on in it. Um, Mental mental health is, is a heavy topic in general, but and I, I'm always mindful of that, but I also feel like I don't hear enough conversations about it. So, okay. So um, the conversation I kind of want to have with you, and it's not around Twitch, but it, it just got me to thinking because a lot of times I've heard in the past as it relates to celebrities, because that's really the only time you hear about suicide on a grand scale, like you actually hear conversations about when some when some celebrity dies. Um, and if you always hear the phrase, check on your strong friends. And so when this Twitch thing happened, what was very interesting to me about the conversations that were happening was, I can't believe he would do that. He looked so happy. He was he was always so smiling. He was always, you know, this this bright light, this, this big uh a beacon for a lot of people around him. And I just thought that was very interesting because. For that to be the perspective and for that to be with how the world viewed him and then for him to not have that same feeling internally that he ended up taking his own life just stuck with me. And so I was talking to somebody and I was saying that what with Twitch's passing made me real, realize a lot about mental health is that the, the facade that America makes us put on, especially people of color when we get into success. And so they see this black man who can dance, who's very personable, who lights up the room everywhere he goes. And instead of it becoming, or instead of, for me, instead of it being something that was genuine for him with his passing, to me revealed that he didn't feel the same way. It, to me, it showed me that him being happy, like always being smiley, started to become an armor that he had to put on when he showed his face, when he went out in public. And so the world saw him as a super happy person, this super, um, you know, this, this beacon of light. And they just couldn't fathom that he was in such a dark space that he would take his own life. And I think about Robin Williams, which is another actor who they had the same type of thoughts. He was so bubbly, so nice. Everybody always thought he was a beacon of light. And then he committed suicide. And so it just got me to thinking about the facade that I don't, and I don't know if facade is the right word, which is why I kind of just want to talk to you about it. But the pressures of showing up a certain way to the point that even somebody like they say like his wife was so close to him and he they were such a, a they were very close so to me for you to be very close with your wife and then your wife to also say I didn't see this coming is a is a disconnect so it just made me think on a larger scale how many men black men specifically 
are out here smiling, saying they're okay, going through the motions, but deep down inside is disconnected. And I just don't know, like, I don't even know what that conversation looks like, but it was just something that stuck out to me. And so does any of that resonate with you? Or is there any logic to my thing? Not logic, but how do you feel about that? I guess just throw okay. it all right, so I'm also a suicidologist, so I specialize in Black suicide, and uh, I've been on Suicide Prevention Board of Directors in North Carolina. I've done presentations at suicide conferences for years, and uh, my doctoral dissertation that people can read on the NC State website that was published in 2010 is based in suicide as well. So I just wanna clarify when addressing suicide, there are suicide survivors and suicidologists who want people to stop using the phrase committed suicide. Instead use phrases like attempted suicide, died by suicide Okay. Um, in terms of terminology. So in 2001, my friend died by suicide and in 2002, my nephew died by suicide. So I specialize in black suicide and I highlight how suicide is something that impacts in all of us. Mm -hmm. And I've written pieces titled Suicide is Not a White People Thing. I've been interviewed about Black suicide for years to explain that there are warning signs, but unfortunately 99% of suicide prevention organizations and facilities in USA and around the world are based on white people. And they're not based in this foundation of understanding suicide has varying explanations. So one component of suicide is sometimes people feel like they are escaping. Uh, they, they feel like they're done with living. And it, suicide is not always connected with a diagnosable mental illness. So those are just different points of view. And also there's cultural variance in suicide when you're looking at people who die for a larger cause. Mm -hmm. And so I always want Black people to understand how there's different reasons why people feel like they no longer want to live. So to understand those different reasons, you have to have conversations with people. And I have years of doing trainings for Black medical and health professionals, including Black religious leaders, and they feel like they can tell somebody to pray it away. Or they feel like they can tell somebody you have a mental illness. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't always work that way. Right. Because let's say you do send that person to therapy and they go to a therapist who actually does not know how to have actual conversations with people whose, whose health and suicidal thoughts actually don't match that textbook knowledge of the diagnostical statistical model. Right. You can't turn somebody into what you want them to sound like so that you can feel like you're fixing them based on your career. And that's one thing I always tell medical and health professionals. Most medical and health professionals, unfortunately, around the world are in the wrong profession. Mm. They go based on what they learned in school. They go based on what they learned in trainings. They go based on policies and practices for their employer. But when it comes to reaching people, and in this case, Black people, they're like, they get frustrated when it's not this quick fix, when they can't medicate people, when they're not told, okay, now we need African holistic approaches, which include forms of meditation. It can include sage and it can include a medication with a follow-up. Don't mm -hmm. just put someone at the pharmacy and say, peace. Say, we're gonna start you on the lowest dose 
and we're going to have a follow-up to see if you need to be on this in the first. So when I do presentations, the, the examples that I often use the most are indigenous collectives. So I always explain that these are not new concepts. When people say suicide is a new problem for indigenous populations, when people say suicide is a new problem for black people, I highlight, you know, magazines, Ebony magazines since 1970s that had cover stories about black suicide. Because I, I kind of remember from our last conversation where we talked about mm-hmm. to suicide in the black community, it looks different in the sense that the alcoholism that's represented in our community could be a form of suicide or like, I don't know if that's substance use. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's when we think about, cause I'm thinking about when you say it looks, it looks different for people, African-Americans, mm-hmm. people, suicide looks different for us. And I actually was looking it up. Um, I was doing some re- research in general. Suicide mm-hmm. is the 12th leading cause of death in America. And then when I saw the statistic, it kind of surprised me because you don't hear about suicides. You don't hear about attempted suicide, dying by suicide. You don't hear these stories until mm-hmm. it happens to somebody in that, that make too much money and we can't even socialize. We can't even like go to their parties. But that's when we want to get concerned about it. That's when we have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we, how do we talk about this in our community? Because I, I feel like it's taboo. People get a people. No, 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 we don't do that. And it. You well, I, I tell like I tell black people, I mean, I talk about it every day among black people. I, I do community health events um, as a Pan-African black nationalist. I talk about this all the time. I say we can't talk about liberation as it pertains to politics, economics without talking about liberation as it pertains to health. And that includes mental health, substance use. All of this interlocks constantly. And I tell this to people as well. You can't lack peripheral vision when it's a topic to which you are uncomfortable. I don't go based on people's, I don't go based on people's discomfort because when we're talking about black lives, black health and black lives, Mm -hmm. they are not waiting for non-black people to care. They're not waiting for the government to care, including during COVID. If you need to wait for the government to tell you wear a mask, to distance, to stop going to fun events, to be around people so you can get sick. If you need the government to tell you to stop believing either COVID doesn't really exist or it's being exaggerated or everyone's going to get COVID, then that's something that I want Black people to self-reflect on. Mm. Mm. Because government does not have to convince and force Black people to care about our health and our lives. Yeah. And that's and I talk about this. I talk about this today with my loctician and I talk about this with black people every day for five centuries. That's part of black people being brainwashed, hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray to be stuck in this dependence on the oppressors. So you're controlled by the oppressors five centuries and then you feel like now you need the oppressors to save you. Whatever hat white people wear in any given moment, yeah. you're basically saying that health doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters until white people say this is going to be the platform on social media, on the news, for a political campaign. Those of us who actually specialize in this 24-7, 365, we're oftentimes told to shut up. Yeah, I can imagine. imagine. You know, it's it's just like when we're talking about the quote from Audre Lorde when she talked about uh, whenever a conscious Black woman raises her voice on issues, 
central to her existence. Somebody is going to call her strident because they don't want to hear about it, nor us. I refuse to be silenced and I refuse to be trivialized, even if I do not say what I have to say perfectly. Mm. I'm one of those black women. I don't believe in a such thing as strong black women. Mm. I never pretend to be strong. So when I go to mental health trainings and suicide prevention trainings, people, including white people and black people and Asians, and the list goes on, they have a tendency to try to use black people, black women as the template for health. They're like, well, black women have the lowest suicide rate, so we need to model after black women. Actually, no. Like when you say suicide is the 12th leading cause of death, that's based on data collection. Right, correct. Right, so I'm a criminologist with a background in criminal justice. So the same way we talk about dark figure, dark figure meaning when we look at crime data, there's mm -hmm. a difference between what's reported and what's actually happening. The mm -hmm. same things happen when we're talking about substance use. Yeah. Just like when we do National Crime Victimization Survey, when you're interviewing people or doing a survey for people who are victimized, never think that's 100%. So suicide data is not 100%. People who read my dissertation from 2010, you'll see little examples of when data is missing from counties. Data is not reported by police departments to the FBI, use uniform crime report, right. incident report, right? So the same thing happens whenever I see people with suicide lists and they say black women have a lower suicide. I'm like, and they'll, and they'll say things like, well, black women stay alive for their families. I say, that's really, really unfortunate that people still believe that. Mm. Because number one, black women have issues with substance use. Black women have issues with eating disorders and health. We're talking about I mean, in black families, I mean, health problems have always existed for hundreds of thousands of years for all humans, right? Right. But as it pertains to transatlantic slavery, colonialism, and five centuries thereafter around the world, black people have had a lot of difficulty understanding health and not going based on the food apartheids that are in particularly black parts of cities and black part and black nations around the world, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah. you can't say black women are the model for suicide if you don't understand that that's not based on data. Most suicide research does not study black women. And if it does, it's mostly qualitative, which means it's a small sample. Yeah. And I tell every group of people, like I do child-free research and all sorts of research. If I interview 30 people, I'm a sociologist, so I'm going to make generalizations, mm -hmm. but my generalizations are based on reading thousands of articles and books and stuff. It's mm -hmm. not based on, based on my sample size. Yeah. This, you know, this is a general statement of trends and patterns around the world. So I tell people the same thing when talking about Black women's suicide. And so... I mean, this is, there's just so much that goes into this. That's why I just tell people when we're talking about suicide, a lot of times when people say suicide's not a problem and they, they want to quote, they want to cite this data. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, you know, if we look at the number one cause of death of black men, black boys and black men ages 15 to 34, mm. quoting data means absolutely nothing. Most people who quote data, they're doing so for the purpose of research publications, mm. to get tenure, to get funding. Yeah. 
to get a policy in place so they can get voted in the next election. They're not quoting that to actually do some trainings and explanations to black families and black communities. Well, how do we, how do we like, yes, a hundred percent. How do we though, to kind of, I feel like to the work that you do is like educating our own people. Yes. And I feel like to, that's where, I, that's where I think that's where those conversations need to start because to your point, the people that are in power are not worried about the black community. They, they got what they need. They got what they got going on. If anything, the black community is just a way to help elevate their stature and all the other ugliness that comes with white America, if I'm being honest. So how do black politicians as well? Yes. Uh -huh. yeah, 100%. The black, yes. If, and I'm, I'm also learning that or learning to see that even though somebody might look likely look like me, but if they're aligned with a party that doesn't have my best interests at heart, then mm -hmm. it's not an ally, which is sometimes hard for me to grasp because I'm like, no, like we can get there. But anyways, I digress. No, I, let me ask you, how do we, because I actually, I have a cousin mm -hmm. who um, has been diagnosed with bipolar manic depression. Mm -hmm. And so we talk enough times where I have come to realize the importance I play in his life with just being a safe space to talk about right. whatever it is he got going on. And it just, I want to know, like, how do we bring how do we bring that more to our families? Because mm -hmm. I grew up in a household where you, I don't know how I got into this space where I can be a safe space for people, but we didn't grow up like that. Like we grew up in a very mm -hmm. aggressive household, mm -hmm. thick skin, you know, you got called bitches, hoes, all that. And that was just the vernacular that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. So how do we start creating those spaces for our family members really and truly, or even like begin to start that? Yeah, so this is, uh, so I always remind people, the work that we're doing is the remainder of human existence. A lot yeah. of people, this goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, five centuries of Black people brainwashed to now do nothing more than talking and complaining. And Black people who say, okay, let's look at solutions. A lot of Black folks will say, well, we don't have time for that now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's part of the cycle that's, in, it's a very intentional cycle. Like anything that's a proposed solution that black medical and health profession, professionals present to our own people, a lot of black people are skeptical. Mm -hmm. And I say that is a circular design that also ignores the fact that we are descendants of hundreds of thousands of years of African sciences, medicines, researchers, laboratories, schools, everything that people are taught since preschool were created by white people. And oftentimes we're taught were created by Asians as well, which many were created by Asians. But like in cities like Baltimore, the medical and health facilities are mostly white people in this predominantly black city. And then you'll oftentimes see like African, like there's one African holistic place where I do health events, it's, it's amazing. But then there's like an Asian holistic place. But most Black people are really taught since childhood that this is really white people stuff. Or mm -hmm. they'll say, I always tell people, when you start, when you're taught catchwords and catchphrases, ask yourself what that means. And I say that as a professor as well. When people say, oh, that's that's Western, you know, they'd be like, that's that's based on Western logic, Western inventions. I'm like, what you mean by Western? <laughs> Is this like a Western, like a cowboy movie? Like, what are you talking about? 
and when they say that, um, that's also a very race neutral attempt at uh, saying things are just created by USA. I'm like, no, literally, like just like racial categories were created by European white people in Europe and they were created for the purpose of forcing hundreds of thousands of years of people into uh, like basically four racial categories for the purpose of the trade market that's based on exploitation and then the transatlantic slavery, right? So it was not created. That was created long before United States of America came into existence. So I want people, when they say Western, stop pretending that that originates in the United States of America. Western wow. is basically about white people. I encourage Black people to be disobedient to components of culture. Okay. And I'm going to say that again. Yes, please. Be disobedient to components of culture. Um, it's one thing I always explain when we're talking about cults. Being part of a cult, whether it's religious cult, uh, whether it's an organizational cult, whatever it is, a familial cult, it's something that's telling you be part of this, do exactly what you're told to do, look exactly what you're told to look like. If there's anything that's counter to this, if there's any problem, you better figure out a way to comply with the way we've told you to be. Mm. Right. So that. We need to break that. I mean, it doesn't matter how much we tell our people to do that. Most people will not do that because Why? people need to people need to have people. And that's understandable. But is it is it is it worth it to have people if the people we have are not really gen like really there for us? Because I'd rather only have a circle of two people and knowing that if I'm falling off, you really checking on me to check on me versus you only going to check on me because social media says I'm I'm worthy of checking up on. Like we that's not how come um well so I mean so that's that's the difference between like conceptual and theoretical change making in real life. In real life most humans, not just black people, but most humans don't do much. Yeah. Like you know, they'll talk about a theory they like, they'll march down the street to protest, they'll do a hashtag on social media. But those of us who are saying actually do some real stuff that's inconvenience, that's a yeah. compromise to your career, a compromise to your education, a compromise to your family, like it's a real risk to you. Like the last poets yeah. talk about in their track, just because, you know, um, it has to be something that's compromising in some way. Yeah. And I see, I think that's, that's why I, I, that's not why I struggle with mental, but I think that's what saddens me about the the black community and mental health because I agree with you 100. There's there's all I hear a lot of complaints. I hear a lot of I'm struggling. I'm going through this, but then when you offer solutions, like all right, well let's do X, Y, and Z. There's always a rebuttal. There's always a reason mm -hmm. why we can't. There's always a reason why oh not today. Oh oh not this. And then when we see things like a quote unquote successful happy black man dies of suicide, we all confused. We don't know how he got here. We don't know what we could have done. And I think that's bullshit. I think we all know that, that we could do better. We can show up more and be genuine. You say like, how are you? Really want to know what the, like how the fuck I'm doing. Don't just say, oh, how are you? Just to ask like, yo, yeah. how are you really doing good? And if I say, no, I'm not, be willing to invest in, in unpacking that. Don't just ask yeah. me to go through it. And I hate that we're in society that social media has now encouraged that behavior, encourages these, these very quick transactions with each other. Yeah. And I always tell black people, don't ever assume you're don't ever assume you're happy and don't ever assume somebody else is happy. 
Happiness yes. is not based on career success. It's not based on someone posting a whole bunch of career stuff on LinkedIn. It's not based on having family around you. There's some really miserable people struggling with depression, having schizophrenia, substance use issues. Alcoholism is very prevalent. And that's also culturally variant where people are taught in parts of the world that having fun means you got to be putting stuff in your body that ain't got no business really being there. And that could be alcohol, right? And yeah. a lot of Black people's you know, most Black people in parts of the world don't know anything about family background regarding health. So so we already know that Black people have a tendency to not know family history in terms of health. And a lot of times people will say, okay, they might know high blood pressure family history. They might know family history for type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Black women and Black girls learn about family history regarding fibroid tumors and issues like that, or difficulties in pregnancy. But a lot of times black people have a way to oftentimes explain away health conditions, explain mm. it like, oh, that's racism again, that's racism again. You know, after a while, this stuff is still gonna exist, okay? You know, there's no such thing as an inequity and injustice that's ever gonna go away. So in addition to constantly for the remainder of human existence, us battling against it, we also have to focus on ourselves. Right? Listen, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Teaching Black people how to schedule an appointment, how to go into the appointment with knowledge so you can have something that you wrote down that you have questions. Don't, Don't go in there as a, like, wanting to be a battle rapper. Like, you're not going in to fight nobody. Right, right. You're not going there to start an argument. You're not going in there to have an intentional misunderstanding. So now you can use that as an excuse to never go back. Because guess what? These medical and health professionals, they're going to go on to their next appointment and you might be dying from a health condition. They're not, they're not staying up at night wondering how your health is going. So if you truly, truly, truly care about yourself, if you truly, truly, truly care about your family, as much as you claim... Right. This is when you really have to say, what am I going to do? And I tell this to very religious Black folks as well. I don't want to hear anything about your religious beliefs unless you understand that religion intersects with health services. Yeah. If you believe in a higher power, whether you're a deist or whatever you believe in, you got to believe that that higher power also created resources. The same way that higher power created that chicken sandwich that you picked up at Popeye's or whatever, that higher power created that health professional who contacted you to schedule that appointment for your gynecological examination for your follow-up pap smear. Okay. We're all busy. So this is why I tell black folks, you know, you don't have to seek perfection, but we have to just make changes. You got to make changes. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to keep quoting the last quotes because in their track, Run and Run, they talk about changing, changing, you know, what you going to do to make changes. You don't yeah. have to wait for the oppressor power majority to tell you to make changes. Right, right. And you shouldn't, especially when you want to have control of your own life. And you say that you have control of your own life. Yeah. What, how do we, or not how do we, but. For Black men, I feel like I've been seeing a shift to where more Black men are starting. Are, mm, I'm going to put an asterisk by that, like very lightly, because 
you know, social media shows us what they want us to see. But on social media, I have been seeing a tr upward trend in Black men specifically acknowledging their lack of emotional intelligence, their lack of um, having the right resources to deal with some of those negative emotions. And so I want, I, I feel like there's always conversations about mental health and it normally centers around women. I know there's conversations mm -hmm. about mental health around men, but it's majority women and majority white or Asian women. It's mm -hmm. very rare about black women. So when mm -hmm. it comes to black men specifically, when I'm seeing this trend, is there anything in your professional and personal life since you've dealt with it to help be an ally for black men or to help like if I see if I see a black man that's trying to you know maybe understand more about his emotions and not keep it bottled up how can I show up for him in any way to encourage that or to like you know what keep keep going down this path because the more you unravel the more we understand about what's going on or is that a fairy tale you think it's a fairy tale it's complex and here's why so I come from a family that's mostly men and they're all black and it's on both sides of my family they're mostly men and they're all black i used to allow black men to come into my classes when i taught at a women's college in north carolina to do prostate cancer exam presentations because the idea is that if you teach women and girls women and girls will teach this to men because mm -hmm. men are less likely to go to these trainings about their own Mm. And of course, my doctoral dissertation was based on Black men. Mm -hmm. And I also have separate research that I started in 2014, in which I interviewed Black men regarding mental health. And I'm going to continue that. We're going to do some more presentations and trainings regarding Black men's mental health. So I spent a lot of time focusing on Black men and I will be honest and say, for the most part, that's non-reciprocal investment that mm. Black women have taken. And here's why it's non-reciprocal, because most Black people around the world have this false depiction of Africans slash Black people. First of all, they pretend that Africans slash Black people are one culture. <laughs> Mm. With one definition of family, with one family background, with one viewpoint regarding gender identities, sexualities, you know, they have this very cisgender, heterosexual, able health image of our people and pretend that everything went down when those slave people showed up. You know, that's just not an accurate depiction of our people. The fact of the matter is that Africans are hundreds of thousands of years of varying views regarding gender, sexualities, spiritualities, and original religions that most Black folks never heard of. So I always highlight that because in helping Black men, we have to have an understanding that a lot of Black people see me as a Black woman as being a nurturer for a very, 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 very long time. I don't pretend to be. Mm -hmm. I don't have any maternal components of my personality. I don't believe in strong Black women. I don't believe that you should support Black women if you want me to rescue you all the time, because that's mm -hmm. a huge investment. When Black women are doing health events to tell Black men how to get their prostate checked, to tell Black men how to check their own prostate. I mean, it's, there's a 
if, if people can handle this honest representation of health in black communities, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. A lot of times when you tell black men in families to check their prostate, they will actually tell a woman, check my balls for me. Mm. And it's also very sexualized as well. Yeah, Because yeah. they see it as being fondled by a woman. So that's a very heterosexual notion. And then oftentimes they'll see it heterosexually as also having oral sex. Well, why you got it? Why are you giving me head? Feel my scrotum. So they're not seeing it as a very non-sexual health component, right. which right. is what it's supposed to be. Because if they went to the doctor, they wouldn't tell the doctor, go ahead, give me some head. Right. And, you know, getting your prostate checked, that also involves, you know, a device that goes to your anus. And it's not like it's supposed to be sexual. So it's not anal sex. Right. That's why we want Black boys and Black men to understand when we go to gynecologists and get a pap smear, if it becomes sexual, that oftentimes is because the gynecologist is doing something they're not supposed to be doing, which is while complaints are filed. And a lot of men gynecologists will have a woman nurse in there with them to make sure there's no misunderstanding. Right. What's supposed to happen. Pap smears are not fondling a vagina. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. It's not... It's not touching the clitoris. I always need people to understand that, right? When we get pap smears, they're not tickling our nipples. Right. There's nothing pleasurable about this experience. It ain't, y'all. It's not. not. And I always explain this to Black boys and Black men, because I also talk to Black boys and Black men about brain conditions and epilepsy and stuff, because I want them to understand that we can't be their substitute doctor. Mm. Mm. Because when we need help regarding breast cancer, when we need help regarding ovarian cancer, fibroid mm-hmm. tumors, emergency hips, hysterectomies, anything, it's very rare for Black men to show up to trainings, to show up to medical checks, to show up to surgeries. That's very rare. And of course, there will always be Black men who say, you misrepresenting us. I do it every time. Guess what percentage this represents? 1% of the aggregate does not silence the general statement regarding the absence of Black men when it comes to reciprocating. Okay. Okay. So, damn. (laughs) We're talking about mental health, right? Yeah, because I I specialize in talking to black men about substance use, mental health, suicide Mm -hmm. awareness. I do research regarding black men and suicide. I've spent years invested in this. Mm -hmm. We grown folk. That part. So it can't be it can't be so sometimey. Right. Mm -hmm. We need that reciprocity. Black women have spent a lot of time and effort and trying to, because we are the ones who go to the doctors most. We tend to have the most medical appointments and it's still difficult to get black women to go to doctors, but we tend to be the first ones in black families to be told you need to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that's just one thing I tell black men, mental health connects with physical health. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me that you are proud about smoking weed, smoking cigars, drinking, using substances, but then when I talk to you about health, now there's a problem because yeah. it's a huge investment. It's a very exhausting investment because Black folks get mad anyway when we talk about health a lot of times. But Black men are very adamant, which is why a lot of times we get Black men to talk to Black men about health, which is why we do like barbershop 
discussions. Is that a black man therapist? Black men talking to other black men about health? It's more effective. I mean, everything, again, remainder of human existence, everything has to be tried continuously. So there are like the holistic African location has black men support groups for mental health. And you can just walk in off the street. There's no question about your insurance or anything like that. And that's always beneficial. And so we always tell black men, they're literally people who are black people. There's literally black folks and black men in this instance who are invested in you. Yeah. So don't say like black men have a tendency to say we're the most oppressed people in the world. Why are you wasting time on that argument? Mm. Hello. Why are you waiting? That's a hundred percent of distraction. That's ex- uh. they, when they say that they're now expecting us to, it's like a form of worship. Now we got to accommodate you because you feel like you're the most oppressed human world. Okay. I'm not doing that. Instead, here are the services that people we're, we're spending money out of our own pocket. Yeah. Like a lot of these services are not funded. When I do this work with black men, it's literally all of my money and out of my time, out of my own pocket. I don't mm-hmm. get grants to do this money. So when I'm spending money out of my own daggone pocket that I should use to pay my bills. And now yeah. you want to preach to me about being the most oppressed I feel exhausted now because you ain't spending money out of your own pocket to help me regarding black women's health. Damn, they ain't spending money out of their own pocket to help themselves. That's that is and you know what? I'm a it's kind of it's it's refreshing to hear. And I'm this is honestly home, so I'm gonna keep it honest too. Um I have felt that. Mm-hmm. I have felt that and I have it specifically with uh family more so mm-hmm. where I feel exhausted I'm like mm-hmm. every like I want to help I want to be of service I want to be there for you but then some of the, what you're saying it becomes a you have all these other issues so I have to be patient with you I have to cater to you I have to now take on a little more of this emotional work to help you because you yourself don't have the energy to do it mm-hmm. and I'm like is this really is this really what it's supposed to be about because I know mm-hmm. if I was to call you and say hey I'm having a really hard day Nine, I 90% chance you're not even answering the phone. You're not even gonna answer, but I'm gonna an answer. And so you say this and it, it resonates, it resonates hard. And I'm I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting jaded, but I it makes a lot of sense. So I always want just black men to understand the meaning of double consciousness. You know, yes. don't shout about being the most oppressed person. Instead, think about what it means to empower yourself in terms of knowledge, not conspiracy theory, because Black folks, we have five centuries of conspiracy. I mean, some of this stuff is legitimate, but then we got to understand well, we just in the bullshit corner now. Like, right. get out of the bullshit corner and face facts. And when I tell, I tell Black folks this every day, facts are not something that you just found on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, wherever else on a nonsense YouTube channel. Right, it's based right. on, you You might have found something, but now you need to research it. So you have to literally read. We have centuries of writing. Some of them are publicly accessible. Pan-Africans such as myself create shared Google drives. So we have Google folders that we share on social media for black people in particular to click articles you can be a healthier black man without having to look one way. Yes. 
Yes. No, that was that. I'm definitely going to implement that double consciousness, double consciousness. Mm -hmm. That was that. I think I've been, that's been my, I didn't know there was a word for that. That's been my struggle when it comes to the black, the black man. I probably, I would say the black community, but specifically I've noticed it in the black men is the, I guess the inability to recognize, to use that, or mm -hmm. maybe know that that's something that black men, like maybe black men are ignorant to the fact of a double consciousness in general. And that's something that we need to spread more about. So that is definitely something I'm going to put in my arsenal to help carry these conversations, hopefully with people, because, you know, people don't hear what they want to hear. You can lead the horse to water. You can't make it drink. And to your point, I'm going to do what I can, but it, reciprocation is key because you cannot pour out of an empty glass. But um, to wrap us up, because I see I see we, we hit in our time. I, I have one more question before we move on to um, what your positive affirmation or your motivational uh, mm -hmm. quote is. When it comes to Black health, mental, mm -hmm. emotional, physical too, but really mental and emotional Black health, what... What is it, what is something that we really, or what is a myth that we really need to break out of it? Besides, besides, and I think you already said this and you spoke to this, when uh, when our oppressors are, you know, the, the people in power, which usually are white men who have no idea about a black struggle, tell us to do something, we do it. But when mm -hmm. it comes to black, so outside of that, what, what myth is it that you would say, or misconception, maybe not even myth, that mm -hmm. we need to start looking into and like, debunking or peeling back those layers to help us advance so one myth and is that we're ignorant so i don't call black people ignorant so i don't call black men ignorant either um one of my colleagues and i had this big debate a couple of months ago because um the colleague believed that black people have ignorance and this colleague defined ignorance as not being aware of something and needing to learn. I said, I understand the dictionary definition that you're using, but the real life applicability of the term ignorance for a group that's been minoritized and underserved is oftentimes has a social psychological effect on people when you tell them they're ignorant. They don't just say, oh, I lack consciousness and I need to become more aware. When you tell a group of people that they're ignorant for five centuries and then you tell children that they're ignorant and they grew up all their life being told they're ignorant in school, they're told they're ignorant by a doctor or you're ignorant, you don't know how to take this medication. And then they're told they're ignorant at work. And then they're told they're ignorant by politicians because they don't vote or die. Then they're told they're ignorant when they go to like a city design committee meeting. That term mm -hmm. ignorance just has a different effect on particularly black people. So that's why I don't believe we're ignorant. I believe that there is a need for us to just keep challenging, keep countering falsehoods, misconceptions, misrepresentations. And like I tell my black students, I said, by the time you get to my class, many of you will still believe what grandma taught you, what your daddy taught you, what your mama taught you, stuff that's not accurate a yeah. lot of times. But you're going to have to learn to counter traditional beliefs, and that could be traditional religious beliefs, traditional gendered belief, traditional sexuality belief, traditional definitions of family that could have defined family as, you know, representing something of just like 
people having to work, (laughs) you know, whatever it means. But if you believe you're ignorant, that doesn't empower a lot of people. Right. A lot of people, like, they've been told they're ignorant all their life. So you tell them that some more, they're kind of like, by the time they're tired. So to me, that's just, you know, the motivation is like, we're not an ignorant people. Um, But we're also not a perfect people. And we don't have to be perfect. Uh, Mm -hmm. Humans are always going to mess some stuff up. Acknowledge that you messed some stuff up. Acknowledge that you got some improvements to make. Acknowledge that you had an opportunity that you completely ignored. Mm. And instead of being mad at somebody else, instead of saying oppressors force you to ignore that opportunity, self-reflect and say, yo, I ignored that opportunity because I was too tired and that's my fault. And when you just self-reflect and are honest with yourself, that's much better for our mental health, our physical health, and it's much better for our advancements in general. Dr. Kenya, this was, I really, the, 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 the later half of this conversation is where it got spicy. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. No, this is, this is, I always learned so much talking to you and just really challenging how I myself talk about black people, interact with black people, because I think, uh, again, like I'll, I'll just continue to say this. I don't know how many Dr. Kimia's, Dr. Kimia's are out there in the world having these conversations with their little people. Like you're the first of your kind that I've met. So every time I meet with you and talk to you, I'm trying, I, I just learned so much and I feel like I really expand my, my knowledge and my, my toolkit on how to interact with the black community in a way that doesn't, doesn't dilute me as a black woman, you know, where mm-hmm. I don't have to, where I don't feel like I have to sound a certain way or go about a certain way because you were right. Like, Y'all, I always say black people, we are the blueprint. We, the, the America is black in the sense that every, and the more I learned about the, how many things black people invented, like the stoplight, peanut butter, the, what did I just learn about? Didn't we invent the telephone too? I think like everything that we basically use, a black person invented, and they do not teach us that at all. I'm learning that because I'm Googling and following black pages on Instagram that talk about all the stuff we do. So it's just like, listen. By the way, I don't, I don't present the falsehood though, that black folks created America though. So I do want to highlight that because I'm not patriotic. Um, I don't identify as African-American or black American because we're here by force and not by choice. And so I am African slash black and we have some inventions that we have on Western hemisphere, including in USA that were stolen from us. But I do want to say that when we exaggerate that to mean that we built America, a lot of Black people say that, I'm like, well, once you start saying we built America, now we got to understand that we can be seen as also part of the colonizers who stole this land Mm -hmm. and murdered the natives as well. And then we also have a lot of Black people who are pretending that they're not descendants of hundreds of thousands of years of Africans, they pretend that Black folks have been on the Western Hemisphere for thousands of years. No damn sure we have not been, Mm. okay? No, we have not been. The largest population of Black folks are on the Western Hemisphere because of transatlantic slavery, okay? So although we have invented some things for centuries on this land that was stolen, I don't want that to really represent USA because if we really had that kind of power to invent those things, we should have really been doing something different to Mm. take over 
because we okay. really outnumbered. It's just like when we talk about incarcerated populations outnumbering the corrections officers, right? Yeah. Why do the incarcerated people not do an overthrow? Same thing yeah. with Black folks who are creating stuff on Western Hemisphere and we outnumber the white people for amount of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn. That, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not ruining black folks, you yeah, know, party. I'm just saying that we got to see what that represents. 100%. You know, is that really shaping knowledge? Like, if we say we yes. created peanut butter, now is that going to lead to discussions of black science that comes from African science? Right. Are we going right. to extend that to talk right. about Dr. Charles Drew? Are we going to really make that extensive discussion that changes how schools teach science? If right. black folks are not going to change how schools are teaching this information, then talking about inventing things like light bulbs and stuff is just to pat ourselves on the back for no reason. I mean, you tell the truth. You, tell you the ain't truth. changing nothing. You just run around running your mouth with a t-shirt on talking about it. But are you going back to that school board yeah. meeting to say we are demanding a change in the curriculum? That's we're no. change. We're demanding a change in what science book you're using here because Black folks have literally written science books based on African sciences, Asian sciences, Aboriginal, Indigenous, Native sciences. If we're not gonna, I mean, some of us have spent years doing that work, but yeah. we don't get support from most black folks. Most black folks want to brag about inventions, right. but when it comes to actually going to these meetings and doing demands to, you know, professional development training, superintendents, including black superintendents, most black folks disappear, including most black teachers. Mm. They've got excuses, but when it comes to actions, now they're afraid to ruffle feathers. So I just yeah. tell black folks, you know, whose feathers are you afraid of? I wish I had a microphone I could drop right now, but you're so silly. But like like Rakim, like that microphone fiend. <laughs> Dr. Kimia, listen. But I oh that's I'ma I'm a I'm gonna I'm I'm have to sit on, I'm gonna like really have to because you were that's that's the truth. That is the truth. What? Oh, anyways, okay. You don't got my brain going, girl. You don't got my brain going. You're so silly. Woo. Okay. Well, to wrap us up, Dr. Kenya, what what motivational or positive affirmation do you use or go to when you find yourself needing a push to get you through that you can share with the people? It's so basic. I love it. Keep, tell us. Tell us. Take a break from humans. <gasps> I tell you, it's basic. Like I, I, one thing I hate, I hate motivational speakers. So I always tell people, if you're a motivational speaker, or I can't stand that. Instead, every person needs at least five minutes a day where you're away from other people, where it's silence. Dr. Kenya, first of all, <laughs> first of all, that is, Yes, 100%. And I, I think we underestimate how important or I, I have I have learned that I've underestimated the importance of solitude, of really just mm -hmm. being by yourself with your own thoughts. And I mean, all the thoughts, the thoughts that we don't want to think about that we need to think about so they can stop going through our head 24 seven, the mm -hmm. good thoughts, the bad thoughts. But when you really are just by yourself, mm -hmm. by yourself, it and self reflecting and being yep. accountable, or just decompressing and self-reflecting, it really, 
it really is a reset. It really, yep. really can be a reset. So I, yep. I think that's probably one of the top three I've heard this season. Yeah, you know? and that's actually a component of mental health. So one component of certain diagnosed mental illnesses and certain personality conditions is the inability to be in silence and to be by oneself. So one characteristic, if people are afraid to be in a quiet space where the TV is off, there's no loud talking, there's no TV on, mm -hmm. there's no music, there's no you know, cannabis that they're smoking, there's just them. A lot of people have a difficult time just staring at the out the at the window or something like that. And that's actually something that we tell people, if you have a hard time putting your phone down, not responding to text messages for at least five minutes, that's something that you need to think about in terms of self care, meditation, and it's okay to speak with a mental health counselor and your general doctor about that. Like what's going on with you that you can't handle just being by yourself without hearing talking in the background. And many of us have family members who are like that. You yeah. notice that that person needs a noise. It's similar to like when you're in a peaceful space with other black folks and somebody needs to start the argument. Mm. It's like that notion of what's wrong with you, what you can't handle being by yourself. And you also can't handle a peaceful space with other people as well. So that's yeah. something that you got to look at in terms of mental health and also look at people's past in terms of how they've had to handle stressors. Wow. 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 Yes. Well, Dr. Kimi, you just came in here and just shut it all down, didn't you? Again. You're so silly. I enjoyed this so, so, so much. Thank you. I enjoy you. I appreciate you. I and thank you to your listeners. That's it, y'all. It's a wrap. Thank you again, Dr. Kimio. Thank you. I did